Welcome to Central Line, the AHA podcast. This is the official podcast of the American Animal Hospital Association, dedicated to simplifying the journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine for every member of the veterinary team. Here's your host, Dr. Katie Berlin. Hi, welcome back to Central Line. This is Katie Berlin. I have Dr. Julie Busby here with me today. Um, Dr. Julie is a really special guest because um, it was her podcast that I was on as my very first podcasting experience. And clearly I caught the bug because there has been a lot of podcasting since then. And we were in your closet in your hotel room at the Westin Poinsett in Greenville, um, South Carolina. And, um, and I was like, this is great. Like I will absolutely podcast in a closet. So, um, I really appreciated that opportunity. And I, I, I feel like we're coming full circle here. Julie, welcome to Central Line. Thank you. It's so great. It's so fun to not having to not have to be maneuvering around the ironing board or the yeah. <laughs> and the robe. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah, um, and it's funny because since then I have also podcasted from the Western Point set in Greenville um, with some people that we both know. And um, I was not in a closet, but my closet was much smaller than yours, so it was a fortunate incident that you had that um, that walk in at the time. <laughs> or sit in. <laughs> anyway, um, Julie, would you mind giving our watchers and listeners a little background on yourself and what it is you're passionate about? Yeah, so I'm a veterinarian. I graduated from Kansas State University in 1997, a super long time ago. I had worked for equine veterinarians all through high school and vet school, and they did chiropractic and acupuncture in addition to just a traditional full-service equine practice. And I was always the one holding the horse and watching them respond and listening to the riders. So I was fully um, on board with integrative practice and soon after graduation got certified through the American Veterinary Chiropractic Association and um, did certification in acupuncture through IVIS. And so that's been a oh, same. part of my ah, So that's been a part of my practice. Um, love having just more tools in my toolbox. I wanted zero kids. I don't even like kids. But um, <laughs> God had other plans, and I have eight kids, and I also um, never wanted to own a business because I'm a t- I like I love it when everybody's happy, and I love handing out the bonuses, but I'm non-confrontational and not good as a boss, so I didn't want to own my own business, but I owned my own practice for almost 10 years, and now through a crazy turn of events, I have a business um, that's sort of related to the veterinary industry, and so that's what I do to stay busy. And there's a little thing on the side you do um, where a lot of moms come together and do what looks like amazing things and have just a really incredible time. Can you talk about that a little? Yes, I'm very blessed to sort of have that as a passion project. Um, Being a mom to eight and being a vet of 20-some years, I just feel like so many of the things I see specifically mom vets go through are things that I can relate to. I've been there, I've cried those tears, I've lost those nights of sleep, and I'm like, oh, you know, having the perspective of hindsight and looking back on that, like, oh, like, it's going to be okay, really, but in the moment, I know it doesn't feel like it, so, um, you know, not that I, by any means, like, I want to say, like, that I know everything, or that I'm, like, the perfect um, you know, role model or confidant, I'm none of those things, but I, my heart is for these women, and so... During COVID, just seeing the isolation that all of us were experiencing and thinking like, what can I do specifically for this group of women who I love? 
I'm like, we should do a conference, but it was during COVID. And so nobody was really thinking about conferences. It gave us a long lead time to plan. So we had 18 months to plan the veterinary encouragement conference for moms. And the vision was, yes, we're going to have CE. And Jessica Vogelsang was one of our speakers. And it was like the best CE. We had like such a phenomenal speaker lineup, but really the goal was encouragement and focus on community. And many of the moms left saying it was more like a retreat than a conference. And I was like really happy with that analysis of it because that was my goal just to, just for people to realize, even though we may feel alone because of the Venn diagram that we share as veterinarians, certainly, but even as veterinarians and moms, even more so, it's kind of like this sliver that even though we're all over the world, really, and in different walks of life, different ages, different places, like we still really understand each other's life very uniquely. So that's what I wanted to kind of bring together. I love that. And I've heard nothing but amazing things about the conference. Like people, because, you know, we know a lot of the same people on in social media and stuff. And so I see their, their posts and I just, they just look like their cup is full. Um, and they get a chance to, you know, really just embrace all the aspects of themselves at once, um, which is so hard. I, I, I'm not a mom, but I see that in people I'm very close to at, you know, that I've worked alongside in the clinic that they're just torn in two directions or more all the time. And, um, I love the idea of just being able to embrace all of that, uh, in one place and feel like you're in solidarity with all these other people who understand deeply. Um, and that's something I think we all discovered that we needed during COVID, um, not just moms. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that. And I hope you can keep doing it for a long, long time because it looks like you're, you're doing good for a lot, a lot of moms. Um, it's been a huge blessing for me. I mean, it's mm. what, that kind of thing where you're like, oh, let me do this to be helpful, but you're the one who gets the most yeah. out of it. It's yeah, it's funny how that works out. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, you have the conference, you have Toe Grips, which is the business that you referred to. So Dr. Busby's Toe Grips. Um, anybody who works in a clinic where they carry these, you know, um, this is the Dr. Busby. Uh, and I was so excited to figure that out. I was like, wait, Dr. Busby is a person and she's Julie and she's like so normal. You know, it's like, I feel like you always think of products like from way back when that were like Dr. So-and-so's like tincture of whatever. And I always think of like this old dude in a three-piece suit, you know, and like a black, like a lithograph. And um, Dr. Busby's toe grips is not like that. <laughs> so, um, so you have that business, you ran a vet clinic, um, you have eight kids. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of layers to you. Um, but you're always wearing some kind of hat in those layers. You're like, a business owner, you're the boss, you're the mom, you're the person who's like shepherding all the cats. Is there a place that you can go where you're just Julie and you don't have to be, have a title? It's a great question. And I'm going to say no in the sense that like I, my life doesn't really allow time where I can just go <laughs> yeah. when you're sleeping. <laughs> yes. Which isn't much, but the good news is I'm so, I really, Every day is full of challenges. I mean, just before we started the recording, I was talking about my car overheating and, you know, I've got rear-ended and like, there's just so many, like life is completely full of challenges, but uh, we, you know, you've heard it said, it's like how we handle them, right? That's, mm -hmm. and, and I strive to 
take it in stride because we are so blessed. And when we look at the big perspective, like, okay, I got rear-ended. Okay, my, you know, I have AAA. Like, it's going to be okay. So I really am thankful to be at a place, and I was not always here, but I'm in a place where I'm just content in my life. So I really... And I'm not saying that this is for everybody, and I certainly advocate recharging your batteries, but what I'm saying is like my battery recharging is part of my everyday life. So just picking up my dog and like cuddling him for five minutes, like that's me time. Um, Toe grips, actually, when I work with that business and my team, it's like so fulfilling for me because I get to use my creative side of my brain and I get I'm a massive extrovert so I get to work with this phenomenal team and we're planning a big trade show season so I know I'll be like working with people and seeing people and so all of these things that are just a part of my daily schedule are a place where I find comfort and rest and fulfillment um, even though it may be from the outside looking in it just looks like the everyday grind so I'm thankful for that. That's wonderful. And that that's really a good point to make that like everybody's version of a happy, balanced life, because balance is so relative. And for some people, balance could look like a complete absence of balance for other people. Um, and I, I hear a lot about boundaries now, you know, and when I was in practice, and I'm sure you can relate to this a little bit, you know, I felt like boundaries are super important. Like if every client had your cell phone number or could reach you on social media, that was going to be a disaster. Um, and at the same time, you know, and in the, the exam room, even, you know, there was sort of a professional boundary, even if you were very open with your clients. But now that I'm out of practice, I feel like, I've had coworkers say to me, like, is there ever a time where you're not working? And I, I don't, because I would be like on social media looking up stuff about what's going on, or I'd be on VIN reading like what people are talking about or whatever. And to me, that doesn't feel like work at all. It might help my job, but it does not feel like work. Like this does not feel like work to me. This is a crazy job that I get to do this. And so um, I think boundaries are all just really relative. And if you're happy in your life, then... It doesn't matter what anyone else's ideas of boundaries are um, or of like you time because you time could actually be the same time that you're doing something for someone else. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. And I think we have to be careful about how we judge other people, even with boundaries in veterinary medicine. There are some people who want to have a more personal relationship with clients. Mm -hmm. um, and if that is what fulfills them and allows them to sleep well at night and they, you know, they're receiving back from that, then like you said, boundaries are different. We just did a survey in the veterinary mom Facebook group about, it was just an informal thing that someone asked, like, what do you want to be called? And I have always been called in practice, Dr. Julie. And that was a minority. Like most people wanted to be called, if I'm recalling correctly, like doctor, their last name, you know, there was mm -hmm. the respect and the authority and what went along with that and certainly well earned. Um, and it just, it was just interesting to me that we had different perspectives on that. So I think that's a really great point to recognize that we all bring our own individual personalities, values, experiences, and the walk's going to be a little bit, even though there are so many things that we share in common, the walk's a little bit different for everybody and we can support each other in that. Yeah. It's one of the things that makes it cool, right? Um, okay, so 
One of the things that I wanted to talk about today with you was seeing your dogs because, you know, AHA, it's been several, a few months now, it's like almost the end of the year and senior, our um, senior care guidelines for dogs and cats came out in January. Um, and it is, it's a guideline that incorporates a lot of um, different aspects of the human animal bond in there. So when you're dealing with senior pets, you know, you're dealing with like a lot of memories and emotional attachment mm -hmm. and fear of judgment and like the really bittersweetness of watching your pet age. And it just that those nuances make senior care a special art, I feel like. And toe grips, I, I feel like with toe grips, you know, they're a small product that like sometimes you won't even notice that they're on the pet right away. And at the same time, they can make such a huge difference. Can you talk a little bit about, like, if you have a special love for senior pets and what motivated you to, to make this your business? Yes. Yeah, so because I was certified in chiropractic and acupuncture, I already had this scene. I did see other patients. I mean, I had a dog fly in for repro work, et cetera, uh. et cetera. But mostly it was senior patients mm -hmm. um, that were coming for mobility and pain management. And so that was already the population that I was seeing. And you nailed it. I mean, the thing that really, for me, just being an extrovert and being just as much a lover of people as animals, the reason I was like so drawn to this group is because the people had this lifetime of stories with this animal where this dog was there when their husband died and was their number one source of companionship and and comfort and just like there in their darkest moments or was their son's dog who and their son they lost their son i mean these these stories aren't rare because they've lived more than a decade with this dog and life progresses at this rapid crazy breakneck speed and things happen and so the dog has been through these milestones maybe a divorce where the dog was was the person who was mm -hmm. for them more more than a human and so I just like just honoring that relationship. It's almost like a sacred relationship where this is this this is their anchor in their life. And they one of the ladies, this was a situation where this golden retriever had been there through her husband's long bout with cancer and passing away. And now the dog was like 15. And she said, I would eat dog food every day to pay for whatever this dog needed. This, you know, if this dog needs thousands of dollars of referral care, I'm gonna find a way to make that happen because this dog is everything to me. So I mean, just like, it makes me wanna cry thinking about how special these animals are. And I mean, of course, like also just they get older and they're just, they just tend to be mellow and sweet and like innocent and like little lambs. Unless so you're just, my chihuahua. <laughs> so He's still I spicy. <laughs> Spicy and saucy, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for the most, like, they have their own merit and specialness, and then there's the special, the layer of what they represent to the family. So I, I, doing chiropractic, acupuncture, Chinese herbs, and then being integrative and also prescribing Western medications, I really felt like, okay, I've got a good handle on, you know, I feel like I can offer things, and often people would come as a last resort, like, you know, I can't, we need help or this dog's going to get put to sleep. And so I'm like, okay, good. We've got tools in the toolbox. Let's, we've got, like, please have hope. We've got some things we can try. And then I would work with their regular vet and we would coordinate care. 
So the thing that I could never really impact was slipping because slipping is a biomechanical problem. And I would tell people to line their house literally with yoga mats or carpet runners, and that works. The problem is these dogs often run hot. Um, they're yin deficient in Chinese medicine and they're mm -hmm. running hot and they like to go lie on the cold, hard floors and then they have to get up off the cold, hard floor. So toe grips are traction that travels. They can go anywhere, including to the vet's office and have the, the security and the traction that they need. So there's the physical component of being able to move well, but also there's the emotional component of the confidence that that means for the dog. Absolutely. And there's something so, um, so horrible about just watching your dog like you know you're like sprinting across the room to try to help them up on this smooth floor and you're like please sleep on the bed i got you like please but you're right they don't want to i mean well my dog wants to because he's tiny and he's cold when it's like below 75 but yeah chihuahuas are different they barely are dogs they're like a, another species entirely but um generally speaking we're talking a lot of older dogs especially like i'm thinking about the big labs you know that are just like panting all the time and they're half of them have laryngeal paralysis and gulp you know and they just oh so it's really um watching dogs come in with the toe grips on and being able to just like get up and walk across the practice floor that was pretty cool um that was pretty cool and people would be like, oh, my God, like, why didn't I do this before? <laughs> um, and it might be something that people don't even notice, right? Because it's, it's come on so slowly. Yes. That is, I think, one of the problems that we have as a company is people recognize that pain point so late. Mm -hmm. And so they're searching, they find us, and their dog might use toe grips for weeks, sometimes mm -hmm. I mean, it's not uncommon for us to get returns because the people say, uh, the customer says, you know, my dog passed away just while they were shipping and we do fast shipping. So Ugh. it's very sad. So that's one of the things that we're trying to educate on. And that's on us as a company is like, it's time for toe grips is way earlier than people think before it's so bad that the dogs injured themselves falling or their splayed stuck, you know, mm -hmm. under the kitchen table on the linoleum floor or they've lost confidence and started to isolate themselves from the family. Now that's another realistic thing is they're not engaged yeah. because there's fear in just roaming their home. Yeah. I'm thinking about that woman who said she would eat dog food, you know, to pay for her senior dog's care and like same, same. Um, and also, you know, I always joke, joked with my clients that I would give my dog a kidney if that were biologically possible and he needed one. I mean, he's like the size of my kidney. So it's clearly like no matter what, you know, science have, that wouldn't happen. But the point was like, if I, if I could do it, I would, um, cause he's my little dude. And, uh, at the same time when, I would be in practice and we sold toe grips and I'd be talking about them to people. There was some resistance on their part. Why do you think that people resist something that's like a lower cost, no side effects item when if you give them a pill, they're nine times out of 10 going to be like, yeah, I'll try that. Well, I think one is just perception, right? I mean, mm. people are going to go with what they know and extrapolate from human medicine. And unfortunately, we just have the quick, quick easy fix, the microwave yeah. solution of take these pills. So that's very comfort, com comfortable for them because it's familiar. 
So even in dog traction, I think the go-to is like boots and socks. Mm-hmm. Well, dogs aren't people. Like, no. yes, there's a place for boots and socks with ice or heat or injury, but boots and socks are have never been my go-to traction solution because they obliterate uh, appropriate, like they affect proprioception. There's so many receptors in the toes that they're just, you know, not able to even use. So that I think that's one issue is like people just didn't think about it. It was a whole new category of nail nail-based traction. And then number two, they're so small. And like you alluded to, they just don't even look like much, but mm-hmm. that's the beauty. Like, yeah, right. Beauty. Like the, the best solution is like typically the simplest solution that still works. So they're simple, they're minimally obtrusive. And because they're just on the nail tips and they're not covering skin or soft tissue dogs, almost always like very, very rarely is this an issue. They just don't even notice them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just um, for those who are listening, and this is not a commercial for toe grips, I just want to make sure, like, you know, Julie said she didn't want to make this a commercial for toe grips, but I think it's important that we talk about them because they are sort of symbolic to me of so much of what we talk about when it comes to senior care, which is, like, the bond, how little things can make a huge difference, Mm -hmm. how, like, you know, people can be really resistant to treatment and for all sorts of reasons, um, even if they love their dogs so much. And so it's not, um, you can't, it's not a barometer of how much they love their dog, like how much they're saying yes to you. There's a, there's a blockage somewhere if they're not saying yes, um, most of the time. And toe grips are like these little, um, these little caps. They're actually just like tubes, little tiny tubes, and they go on each nail and they basically make the, they're like little grippies, like those yoga socks with toes, except that they don't cover the foot. And so like each nail is going to have a little, a little ring around it when they're on and they have to be sized properly or they'll fall off. Um, some dogs might have to be sedated to have them put on if they really hate having their nails done, but it's, that was super rare in my experience. Yeah. Like they might my have less than nail trims, I'll put it that way. Like a dog yeah. that hates nail trims, like they will mind toe grips less. Yeah. Um, like I haven't tried them on my little guy cause he hasn't really had that issue yet. Um, but he hates, he has to be, he's a hundred years old and he has to be sedated for nail trims, like heavily. And, um, there's spray cheese, you know, and like in his face and he's like, it's trying to still try to buy. And, um, I think he probably would let me do this because he's, he lets me play with his nails. He just doesn't want them cut. And, um, I didn't see very many cases where the technicians, the technicians usually place them because they're amazing and do better than me at pretty much everything. And they, um, they, they always, you know, just did it. And then the dog would go home and the owner would be like, Oh, that's it. And, it was pretty cool to see that. Um, and we'll put a link to them in the, in the show notes. Um, but Julie, the other thing that you had mentioned was that sometimes you get calls from people who, you know, or, or communications from people who are returning the toe grips and they're like, you know, my dog passed away or whatever reason. And that's another thing I want to talk to you about because you're known for your customer service. Um, and that's super important to you. It is. And thank you for even calling that out because like, that's more important to me than anything else we could talk about. Um, and it was the same when I owned a veterinary practice, there's a proverb that says a good name is worth far more than great riches. Mm. Like that's kind of my foundation thought, my mantra for how we run the company. Um, because ultimately our reputation just personally, like the value in that, but even as a business decision, like I, never worried as a practice about 
the benchmark money aspect. Mm -hmm. I just thought, okay, a good name is worth far more than great riches. Like, let's do what it takes to have the great name and to take care of our customers and that they know, like, the care for them and their pets is genuine and it's like the foundation of everything we do. And then I practiced, um, attempt, I tried my best to practice great, thorough medicine. And you combine those two, and I think you have success as a veterinarian, like, it's a very successful, lucrative, lucrative practice. For toe grips, same thing. I mean, um, in social media, I, you know, reviews, like, it just makes me so happy to hear people say, you know, I bought a 30 some dollar product and they treated me like a million dollar customer. Like that was one of our reviews. I'm like, yes, that's, I want that. I want that for you. The, the world, I think we've gotten away from that with technology and sort of just our culture in general. But I think, um, you can't go wrong with old cat, old fashioned customer service. I agree. And um, you end up gaining a lot more than you would ever give away, even in accommodating a customer request that might cost you a little bit at that time. Um, and this has reminded me so much of the conversations that I've had with Debbie Boone recently, where she's talking about hospitality and healthcare. Um, so that was, that's her her book that was just published. And, um, you know, she's talking about the same, just like old fashioned hospitality in a vet practice, making sure your client is comfortable and informed. And, um, you know, you carry the bag of dog food out to the car or whatever, like those things are so small and yet so big. Um, so, I mean, I still remember an interaction I had with a Zappos customer service representative, like, like 10 years ago, because they were so great to me on the phone. And I still remember that. Like, I don't even shop at Zappos very much. But if I do, I'm very confident. And I, I want that too, for people who are dealing with the business that I'm a part of. I think it's really important, especially in this day, day and age of veterinary medicine to distinguish that that's not being a doormat, right? That, that doesn't mean you let clients bully you or bully your staff. Absolutely not. But it, I think it really shows in communication. Mm -hmm. the the respect of the way we communicate with our clients and then just the um the importance of communication so many issues can be proactively avoided or if they're on the table like calmly resolved with just good communication i think like that's probably the number one recipe for great customer service yes yeah have you ever been the person like the client who's head was exploding and you're like okay if they just treated this interaction a little differently i would not be feeling like my head is going to explode right now yes so <laughs> i was just rear-ended i told you that mm -hmm. and i had no intention of getting a lawyer because i don't i just don't my sister's a lawyer like god bless the lawyers but that's not who i am and that's not who i want to be like i just i'm like just get my car fixed you know it's going to be okay I could not get the other insurance company to call me back for 13 days. What? So 13, after about day eight of calling, 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 no, communica no communication, I'm like, I'm getting a lawyer. Not because I'm suing anybody or any of that, but I just need someone to help me with this communication because I can't even, we're, we're not having communication. So there was a prime example of this insurance company is going to end up paying more money Mm -hmm. because now they're going to pay his fees and fix my car, et cetera. Had they just respectfully communicated with me off the bat, you know, transparently, 
They would have saved so much money, but um, they just obviously have some problems in their processes that um, they were not on the ball. So I think that's, that, to me, like, that's the example of like, I didn't want to get a lawyer, but you can't not yeah. talk to me. You can't, yeah. I, I don't know what the, I have no idea. And for our, our clients, like we have this curse of knowledge in veterinary medicine where we're in it every day. We understand the surgery discharges. Like we, we do the surgeries for heaven's sakes. Like we understand the tape where the catheter was like, we got it. They don't, it can be overwhelming and confusing. And we're dealing with this precious entity in their life. And they have questions. And so again, being courteous and thorough and respecting their questions because they're important to them and being timely, I think is all really important. And that kind of goes into this whole thing of like using our staff, training our staff. It doesn't have to be coming from us. I think it's much more important that we're timely in communication with anybody in the practice than like, okay, the doctor is going to call you back in four days. So. Oh my gosh, car stuff is the it's the worst um, because you have no control, like no control at all, um, and you can't. It's not like you could just go to another insurance company. Like the insurance company that was going to cover your bills was the insurance company that was going to cover your bills. So you had no choice. You just got to wait. And that I'm glad you got a lawyer. Um, and I'm sorry that that happened. Um, for me, it was always a pharmacy. Like I, for some reason, when I lived in Texas specifically. I just had the biggest issues getting a prescription filled at the Albertsons pharmacy in Dallas. And I, I just, I remember going in a couple of times and like, I'm like conscious. We didn't say Karen back then. Um, and I try not to say that anyway, cause my mom's name was Karen, but I was being, yeah, I was like that person and I was like conscious of it, but it was just, it was just so many times around. And I'm like, I don't understand why this is so hard. And like, no one is explaining it to me and they're acting like I'm being a problem. And then I became a problem <laughs> and like not proud, also highly avoidable. And I had worked with a vet that called it puffer fishing. Um, where you're just like, you're going about your business and like you come to this crossroads basically, which is you're going to Albertsons for the 50th time and like they still don't have the thing filled and they could have had it filled or they could have treated you well and you could have just gone about your day. And instead there was like a bad interaction and then your head is just like, poof, <laughs> just like spiny and poisonous suddenly like fish, and um it was just like that is exactly what happened and that's where so much i think of the negative client interactions we have come from is like it just was going to take that one little thing and then that client puffer fishes and it's too late just to make it not happen <laughs> so i have a proverb for that one too so what yeah. i teach my my team and they're just so wonderfully naturally great i mean i just love my team so much. So um, this wasn't a revelation because this is really their character. But there's another proverb that says a, gent a gentle answer turns away wrath. And I yes. love that because there are times over the years, I mean, I was customer service for Toe Grips for the first two years. I mean, I was answering the emails. I was fielding it all. And it was rare. But if we had somebody who was puffer fished, fired up, <laughs> I, I like 99.99% of the time this works. Like if I would just listen and um, show empathy without admitting guilt, like if there wasn't any, but take responsibility for what I needed to and just be gentle. Like Instantly their tone would come down and we could have a yeah. logical conversation and accomplish something. Yeah. You just want to be treated like your opinion is important and like your time and experience are important. 
And it's very hard to be rude to somebody who's being really genuinely nice to you. That's a great point. <laughs> so, I mean, people still manage it. But for most of us, it's hard. You're like, oh, I'm being, I'm being that person now. This AHA podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. Care Credit understands that all veterinary teams are busier than ever. To help patients get the care they need, the Care Credit Health and Pet Care Credit Card allows clients to access a budget-friendly financing experience anytime from anywhere on their own smart device. They can learn, see if they pre-qualify, apply, and even pay if approved, all on that smart device. With just a tap, they have a friendly, contactless way to pay over time for the services and treatments their pet needs, whether it be a general, referring, or specialty hospital, as long as they accept the Care Credit credit card. Okay, so you mentioned your team. You have a lot going on in your life. Um, do you have help? Like, do you, you have a team that helps you with toe grips, so you're not customer service anymore? Um, you have eight kids that you homeschool. Do you have help doing those things and like kind of so you don't have to be 12 places at once? Yes. So I completely believe that it takes a village. And I think many of us as veterinarians are like, we can do it all. We are the, you know, we're the super people, but we're not, or at least I'm not. Um, So yeah, I mean, get help where you can get it. In the beginning, I couldn't afford help, you know, toe grips. I was wearing 92 hats. My husband and I were shipping toe grips off of our kitchen table. Uh, but as we grew- I love that though. <laughs> it, was, it was that classic, like just the start of those small business. Um, but as we grew and we were able to hire people, that was like such a gift, not only to free up time, but also to make us more efficient and more scalable. So in my personal life, yes, my husband's very much involved. And I had someone in my life, um, Brittany, for a decade. So she wanted to be a homeschool mom someday. I wasn't really sure what she wanted to do professionally. And so she came and she was married, and uh, but her husband worked a lot. And so she spent a ton of time with our family. And I mean, she worked for us. And the cool thing is, like, through that interaction and through... Um, probably watching me suture my children on the kitchen table and a variety of of other like first aid needs because I've got all six boys who are always doing crazy stuff in the yard. She decided she was going to nursing school. So Brittany now is in nursing school and um, the kids are also older. So we don't have anybody like helping us at home as much, but Mm -hmm. um, it still like feels like that village where I've got friends or neighbors who are picking somebody up or driving someone here. And I actually teach two days a week, just a class two days a week in a homeschooling co-op. So that's nice because again, it has the community of parents coming together, using their strengths and um, helping a bunch of people learn. I love that. And and I know Brittany, I met her at Uncharted and yes. we, um, we ran together there. Um, and so I was following her running journey and then watching her family grow. So um, that's, that's wonderful. And, you know, man, you, you said at least you're not superwoman. I mean, if anyone is superwoman in this industry, I think it might be you, Julie Busby. <laughs> um, but you know, you speaking of which, you had talked about um, your your conference is called um, encur- it's got the word encouragement in the title, and encouragement is something that I think I don't hear very much. We hear the word empowerment a lot. Are empowerment and encouragement the same to you, or are they are they different things? And if so, how are they different? 
Not for me, because empowerment to me often comes through education. And that's your or experience. Like basically, they're almost academic. Like I can be empowered to be better at my job by going to learning or getting a wet lab or somehow um, stepping up a level in a skill or a, a knowledge foundation. Encouragement's all about the heart. Like my brain's not much a part of it. I'm sure, somewhat, but it's like my heart and. Uh, to be honest, it's really something that I deal with a ton in my personal life. Raising eight humans, like when they were babies, like I had full control. Like I dictated all the how our life was going to go. Now I have six teenagers. And if I've learned anything, it's like I don't have much control over this situation. Or your refrigerator. <laughs> true. True. Um, and so, like, and then, you know, Togrips is such a... I'm so blessed by the trajectory that we've been on and the amazing people we work with, but nothing's perfect. Like there's things that come up, whether it be that one rare nasty customer interaction or, you know, finding out that there's some, there's a competitor who's playing dirty. Like there's just things I'm like, oh, you know, you just crush my soul because like that's not the way it should work. And so I get discouraged and that's really why I wanted to offer encouragement. And I think as a profession, I don't know, I guess encouragement comes, a large part of the recipe for encouragement comes from empathy, like that we can really see. And that's why I'm with the vet moms, because I can really see that their challenges and, and so much of what is a part of their their pattern and their life. So yeah, I, I struggle greatly with discouragement on a daily basis. And I'm so thankful for the people that build encouragement into me and I think professionally, like, I think we need a real gigantic, healthy dose of it. And it's not empowerment, even though that's also important. I, I love what you've said and empowerment, you know, thinking about what it would mean to me for somebody to be like, I want to empower you to do this. It's always to do something. It's like to, to be more, do more, you know, learn more. And that's great because I, I think that's a super important part of life is just like constantly growing and learning. But it, when you're feeling discouraged, it can be really exhausting to think about like having to be empowered to go do something right then. You're like, I'm just trying to do what I'm doing right now. And um, encouragement implies that you are just giving the person support when they're sinking a little bit and like they don't have to be anything other than what they are right now. And I love that because so many of us just feel we've grown up knowing that we have to be striving for something and um, just having somebody be like, no, you're enough. You can do it and I can help you. And I understand it's very powerful. Yes. And helping you, like you said, doesn't necessarily mean like I'm going to help, help you achieve something greater, more right. than level. Like I'm just going to help you by listening, by hugging you by like validating your feelings like I'm just gonna help you by being near you like whatever that looks like for your own love language but it's it's so much more I don't want to say simple it's just so much more um of the heart it's just a, yeah. it's a hard matter for me yeah love it and you don't need any special skills to do it you just need to be there um I think I I love learning things and sometimes I need to remember myself just to slow down and have somebody maybe encourage me just to like chill. 
<laughs> and I don't have eight kids. So <laughs> I think if I had eight kids, I would not, I would definitely want to chill and not have any time to do it. So <laughs> it's, it's always, it's always looking over into the other person's yard and trying to see like what they're dealing with and then encourage them when they're doing that and not what you would think they should be doing. Um, and Julie, you seem like one of the most like just open, generous, like every interaction that we've ever had, you've just been, you just kind of light up when you talk to people. I know you're an extrovert and you just are like, hi, and you ask questions like you really want to know the answer. And that is a really special gift. So I'm really glad that it's you who had these ideas and who are really, you know, taking on extra work to be that for as many people as possible. Well, thank you. I mean, like I said, I'm definitely not doing it perfectly. I am not perfect, but I do think we all where I mean, it sounds like a cliche, but where we are, where we are, we can all do something to encourage someone. I really believe that. I love it. Um, so I'm going to I think I'm going to let us leave it there because um, I think that's the best takeaway there could possibly be from today. And um, I hope that it inspires somebody to go out and just say like, hey, that person looks like they could need a little boost. And I'm going to be the boost. So I love it. Um, Julie. You. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for being a light in this profession um, for, you know, and you're a quiet light. Um, you don't seem to want to be in the spotlight, but you want to provide, um, you know, that you generously will provide all of that encouragement for anybody who needs it. And um, I'm going to put some links in the show notes for um, the conference. If you have a, a website or conference link or something, um, we'll put that in the website and then also for toe grips, obviously. Um, and we do offer toe grips in the AHA store, but it's a link that will take them to your site. And that's really important. It's important to you. And would you just mention why that is before I sign off? Because I think that's an important part of it. Yeah. So um, for 10 years, we never sold toe grips on Amazon because I did not um, just we talked about culture a little bit. We talked about like values, like being that, um, the reputation. So mm -hmm. on our own site, we can control the customer journey somewhat. We can certainly control the response that the customer gets if there's a problem, the messaging. And on Amazon, we can't because they want to be in control of all that. And unfortunately, we have had um, other companies take our name, take our tagline, not, um, infringe on our patent, take actually like custom commissioned artwork as a part of their listing. Like, I'm like, that's my, that's my receptionist golden retriever. Like that's my picture that I paid. Oh my to gosh. So, um, we finally, uh, last November went on Amazon basically just to defend our product and our mm -hmm. IP and our, you know, capture our own goodwill and not let other people take it. So that is why we're there. Um, so people who are searching see us and don't just buy a competitor product um, that doesn't have the support and all the years of research and background that we do. But it's definitely preferable for people to buy through our site. So we very much appreciate you know you having the link and sending people on. We have a retail store. We also have wholesale for veterinarians. So veterinarians can buy wholesale for themselves, for you know their technicians, or obviously for their clients. 
and have the full support. We offer a money-back guarantee, and if there's any issues, we're always happy. I'm always happy to talk directly with a practice or even if it's easier for the practice even directly with their client and help get things straightened out. But even if toe grips are not the right product for a patient, I can guarantee you that I, I can almost guarantee you that the client will walk away feeling valued and feeling like they had a good experience. And so I'm really proud to be able to offer that ancillary kind of service to practices who carry our products. Love that. And that's such a good indicator of who you are as a person. Um, so Julie, thank you so much for coming on Central Line. Um, we've been talking about doing this for a while, and I'm glad that we finally got a chance to. And sit in different chairs than that first time back in like 2017 or 18 or whatever that was that we podcasted together. So I really appreciate your time and wisdom and all of the things that you do for our community. Thank you. And thank you for all you do. And thanks to everyone for listening and watching. We'll catch you next time on Central Line. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Central Line, the AHA podcast. If you love what you hear, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. For more resources to help you simplify your journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine, we invite you to visit aha.org. That's A-A-H-A dot O-R-G.